Welcome to, to church. Welcome to Life Church. Hopefully, you came in here enjoying life and enjoying the grace of God. If you're enjoying the grace of God, you're enjoying life because God is good. We're beginning a new series today on the topic of contentment or what God has to say about contentment in His Word. And this is going to bless you because contentment is a radical shift in our hearts that truly enables us to just enjoy. Enjoy God, enjoy this life, enjoy everything that he is doing 
in our life. I want to start with a quick story that when I really learned contentment, I thought I knew what contentment meant, but about 17 years ago, we spent a week with a missionary. He came to church. The church was only about probably 40, 50 people at that time. And he came and spent a week with us, stayed with us in our home, and we were having services every night. And he preached for about an hour and a half every night. Wouldn't you love that if I just went for an hour and a half? Don't lie right in church, no. But nonetheless, I mean, I just got it. I mean, while he was, he, he was kind of living in a place that I wasn't really living, uh, and that was just in a place of trusting God, his entire lifestyle. He didn't have a ton of support coming in from America. He was over in the Philippines, and I mean, he had some, but bottom line, he had to live in a place of trusting God to come through. And it seemed like he had a million stories of God coming through so often, just at the last moment, I mean, just, just to meet his very needs. And his entire lifestyle would have been a little bit more uncomfortable to me at that time, and I would find myself questioning. Even as he told some of these stories, I find myself questioning, man, how do you do it? How do you live that close to the edge? In my mind, you know, he was living this life that was so insecure, but yet he had so much more security than I had, so much more joy, so much more exuberance about life. And after about a week, I just got it. I got it. I, I got where he was living, and I, I just kind of hooked up. And then at the end of that week, it wasn't like he was really pushing for this, but obviously you're taking offerings uh, for the missionary. And Raquel and I just decided, we just were both so impressed in our hearts. We, we had been lifted to a new place, and we decided to give everything we had saved, which at that time was about 500 bucks. So that's not a lot, but you know what? When it's everything you've got, that's a big deal. So we just threw that in. And the really part of my story, the part that I'm trying to share, get to, is what happened after the missionary left. The week following, the month following when he left, life was different. Uh, and it really wasn't very subtle. It was, a, it was a huge difference. And one of the main ways I recognized it was just my attitude and my thoughts towards my own wife. Now, I'd like to think I always appreciate my wife, but, you know, we'd had some little bit of strife here and there, probably pretty normal. But I remember distinctly that next week, that next month, just being reminded of why I married her. Just being so impressed. I'm like, she's awesome. She's amazing. Now, it's kind of too bad for her. She's stuck with me. But I get, I remember thinking, I I get Raquel. My whole life, I get to stay with Raquel. And it was that way towards a lot, towards my kids. I remember thinking, these kids are awesome. I felt like I should compliment somebody for raising these kids. You're like, these kids are great. It wasn't just feeling better about them. I was seeing, seeing different things that they were doing, seeing different things they were good at that I hadn't really recognized before. Just a little, uh, one thing that happened that just kind of illustrated what was different in my life. I remember driving home from work one day, stopping and buying my wife a little knickknack. I didn't remember what it was. A little side story. I have since discovered that my wife doesn't like knickknacks. But I didn't discover it that day because she was she pretended to be so thrilled. She's like, oh. And actually she was touched because I'd actually bought her something. Um, which up to that point in my life was a shockingly rare event. I, I'm kind of known as what they call a tightwad. Um, and coming home with any sort of a gift would just be a pretty rare event. And I just came home with something. And now, that wasn't really logical because just after, you know, giving your savings, your head tells you, well, this is the time to get a little bit tighter. But it was exactly the opposite. 
I didn't get tighter. I didn't get tighter financially. I didn't get tighter emotionally. I didn't get tighter. In fact, I got substantially more liberal in everything of my life, more, more liberal with my time. I just felt like, man, I, I'm so secure. I'm so well provided for. I'm so completely taken care of. I can help. I, I can give. I've got, I got time for my kids. I've got time at, at work. Things in the church. Now, the same problems existed after that week that existed before. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing it different. I'm seeing people different. I'm seeing potential. I'm seeing, the bottom line is, I'm seeing God. I'm seeing the activity of God. Put it that way. I'm seeing what God is doing in the world around me, in the people around me. I'm seeing the good things that he's given me. And I didn't even know what I had discovered, but what I had discovered was what the Bible calls contentment. Contentment. Contentment is a state of just being so happy, so thrilled with what is. It's not that you're not headed to a better place. It's not that there isn't a vision of the future. Most people think of contentment as just being okay with a mess. Just settling down, being okay, you know, it doesn't matter. Just me and my dog, that's all I got. I'm okay with it though, I'm content. No, no, that's not real content. Contentment is not. Write this down, would you, will you pull out, hopefully you pull out these notes at the very top. Write this down. Contentment, rather than being okay with nothing, write this, rather than being okay with nothing, It's the awareness that in Christ we have everything. And that's what happened. Those weeks after, I just became so much more aware of the everything. What God was doing. What God had already given me. His activity. Look at the scripture, number two. The scripture there, there's a lot of scriptures on contentment, but I think this is the king of them. He says, as true godliness with contentment, will you say that word? Say contentment. Godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we, we came into this world. We can't take anything with us when we leave it. Go on in verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Before that month, I would have told you, yeah, those people with many sorrows, you know, that's the... That's the really greedy, evil people. Those, those people who are in their basement hoarding and they've got piles of gold in their basement and they're down there counting their gold. <laughs> those are the people and God is going to give them many sorrows. No, those many sorrows are what every human experiences, what I was experiencing outside of contentment. Outside of contentment, we all experience sorrows. Even our own Marriage, our own relationship with our children can, can produce sorrows that don't need to be because we're not content. We're not seeing what God is doing. We're not seeing the activity of God. We're not appreciating it. We're not enjoying it. Well, the flip side of that is sorrows, many sorrows. Some of, some, somebody in here may be experiencing many sorrows today because of a lack of contentment. He goes on and tells Timothy in verse 12, fight the good fight for the true faith. There's a false faith, but there's a true faith. A true faith, what does a true faith do? Hold tightly to the eternal life. Notice those words. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. I thought, I thought eternal life was something you got when you died. How in the world does God expect us to hold tightly to eternal life now? No, no yes, eternal life is something that you enter when you die, but it's not only that. Eternal life is something that Christ brings when he comes to you. When, when, when he knocks at the door of your heart and you open your heart to Christ, he brings eternity with him in his bags. 
And you, as he unpacks, you enter eternity. You, you are already in a relationship with this eternal God that will never change. That, that relationship will only grow. It will only grow and eternity is something that's already been planted in us. And that's what he's talking about. That's what produces contentment. You think you're going to be content in heaven? Do you know that everybody's content in heaven? You know that nobody's stressed up there. Nobody's biting their fingernails. Nobody. Why? Because you're so keenly aware that God is taking care of you. Well, is God taking care of you today? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But so often people don't see that today. We don't perceive that. The Bible is very clear that this life right now where there's sorrows and troubles and sickness and demons, that it's intentional, that God has intentionally planted us here for a short time. The Bible calls it a vapor. He says, your life here is a vapor. And this, it's your test. Everybody enjoys the grace of God when you're in heaven. Everybody enjoys it. Again, there's no rewards for trusting God in heaven. It's here where God is allowing you to be tested to see, can you trust him here? Can you rejoice in him here? Can you experience his grace here? That's what the test is. He wants you to be content here and now, and he's going to intentionally allow you to face some things. Write that under, uh, under number one there, letter B. Contentment, most of the people, it's just a, maybe an easier way to ex- explain it. It's what you expect to experience in heaven. Hopefully you've at least pictured and thought about heaven at some point. And most of us put real contentment off till then. I I expect to experience it then. And you will. But if you're smart, you won't wait till then. Because eternity is already here. Christ is already in your life. If you've said yes to him, if you've opened up your heart to him, and that's what he means by saying, hold tightly to that eternal life to which God has called you. Look at verse 17 now. Hopefully you'll follow in the notes here. Verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world Stop right there. Who, who are these rich people? We, we already talked about them. They're the, they're the people in their basement right now counting their gold, right? Who are these rich people? By the way, after this, don't do, don't do it right now. But after service, go to globalrichlist.com and type in your income. And it'll give you an exact ranking of where you rank from number one, richest man in the world, to number seven billion. If number seven billion pops up, it's, it's a rough day for you, right? But... <laughs> I can promise you, you're going to be somewhere between there. You know what? I'll almost guarantee that everybody in this room, in fact, I talked to one person who did it on Thursday night, and they had been kind of living a a missionary lifestyle, so, well, they had been, and so their last, their entire income for that year had been $5,000. You probably made a little more than that. They were, I don't know their exact number, but they were in the top 10th of the entire world. Almost all of us in this room will be in the top 1% of the entire world. 1%. Because there's so many billions at the bottom, the scale is such that we don't, but we don't think that way, do we? We don't, he's not talking to me. The rich in this world, that's not us. Well, gang, that is us. It is. And what is, what is God commanding us? Look at verse 17. Not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. What is it, why does the Bible have to say so much about that? Because it was what Jesus said. Jesus said, you can't trust God and money. It's not that he's got anything against it. It's just the fact that, I mean, Jesus could have spoken about a lot of things. Why did he choose money? You can't trust God and money. Because money is that thing that in this world enables us to, to feel some measure of real security. The only true security is in God. 
but it's a, it's a, a little bit of a fake. It, it enables us to experience a little bit of that security. See, the Bible paints a picture, if you believe it, that in this lifetime, what we call this mortal life, that everybody is, well, let's put it this way. Mortal means that you're death doomed. That we're all ultimate. There's only one way off the planet, right? Death. And that because of that, that the normal, the normal way people live is concern about themselves. Because, because of that mortality, it causes us to do something. And that is if you picture us all in an ocean, we're all kind of paddling to keep ourselves up. You know, where gravity's kind of pulling us down, that mortal thing is ultimately pulling us towards an end. So we're all doing a little bit of a, of a dog paddle just to keep ourselves up. And the Bible paints a picture that that's the life you were born into. And that's normal. That's what everybody does. Until you find contentment, until you find Christ, and then you get this revelation that, wait a minute, I'm actually in this, I'm in the same ocean with everybody else. I'm in the same world. I see the same problems. I have the same problems. But I'm actually standing on a rock. You can't see it. It's underneath the surface, but I'm standing on a rock of Christ Jesus. I'm standing on a rock of this revelation that God has brought into my world. I'm actually standing on eternity. I'm actually standing in eternity. Oh, I'm still here. I'm still in the same ocean, still the same problems that everybody else sees. But only when you're standing on that rock of Christ can you fundamentally quit dog paddling. You can't do it any other way. When you're standing on him and in him and you get it, you just get it. You, you get a revelation of what Christ has accomplished. You get a revelation of what he's brought into your life and this overwhelming sense, everybody say security. This overwhelming sense of security just invades your life. And from that position and only from that position can you fundamentally start paddling a different direction. And it's out. It's, so you can't do that. You can't if you picture yourself paddling to save your life. If you're drowning, you, you, don't, you don't do that, do you? You don't paddle that way, do you? You don't. You can't. Because you, you're, you're trying to save your life. See, but if I'm standing on a rock, I can be generous. I can give. I can, from that position, from that position of contentment, security and contentment are so vitally connected, you can't really separate them. Because you can't be content while you're drowning, and security is only found in God. Now, in the world, money provides just a a false sense of that security. A very false sense, a little bit of it. And that's why we just keep paddling this way. And that's what he's saying, what he says in verse 17. Again, hope you're following along. Don't be proud. Don't trust in your money, which is so unreliable. Now comes what's underlined there in verse 17. I think the best description of contentment you'll ever read. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's, that is contentment. This revelation that God is already, already giving me all that I need for my enjoyment. He isn't just, you know, barely sustaining me, barely keeping me along. No, he's giving me all that I need, not just to make it, all that I need from, everybody say enjoyment. If you get a revelation of what God is doing in your life, you're going to enjoy it. I can, I'm not going to promise you that any physical thing is going to change immediately, but you're going to start enjoying what is. You're going to start enjoying the people. You're going to start enjoying your family, start enjoying your wife and your husband, start enjoying the people, that, start enjoying where God has you, the work he has you doing. All of a sudden, it's like a new pair of glasses are come on, and you're like, wait a minute. I'm here for a reason. Wait a minute. And you start seeing different, seeing people differently. 
It's not that content people don't have a vision for the future. We have a vision at Life Church. Our entire vision, and you hear it probably almost every week, is transformed lives. We have this vision that as your life is transformed, and by the way, when I describe in this series, as I'm describing contentment, as I'm describing contentment, I'm describing another aspect. It's another angle of what a transformed life is actually looks like. Our vision is this simple. As you are transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ, you can't help but change your world. You can't help it. A content heart, a transformed life, a content heart can't help but ultimately start paddling a different direction. Out, start serving, start giving. But you can only do that when you get this revelation. I'm standing on a rock. But you know what most Christians believe? We, 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 say, we say we trust God. We really do. We, and, and in some small way we are. We, we really are. But God is kind of out there. And here I am with all my troubles. And I'm really no different than the people around me who don't know Christ. I got the same problems. And, 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 and I know God is out there. But, well, you know, during this mortal time, you see, God's kind of like a T-Rex. He's really powerful, but he's got really short arms. I mean, he'd like to help. He's really powerful. I mean, we're not questioning his power, but he just can't reach us. Because you see, we're in this fallen world where there's demons and trouble and the free will of man, and he just can't reach us. That's an illusion. That's a lie. That's a lie. He's just as powerful right now as you, on the greatest day of eternity. He doesn't change between here and there. This is your testing period. Yes, now life changes in eternity for sure. The curse is gone for sure. The pain is gone. I get that. The test is over. I get that. But he doesn't change. His arms are no longer. He is no more powerful there than here. He's, allowed, he's allowing this lifetime. And why is that so important that you see that? Because again, that's where contentment begins, a true revelation of just of that rock that you're standing on. And you know, one of the things that helps you is actually to see, because what keeps people afraid is just, you know, the troubles of this world. Ultimately, the ultimate fear, the Bible says, is the fear of death. Isn't that the ultimate one? Well, go there. Just go there. Do yourself the favor and go there. Have you ever seen your end? I've seen mine. You want me to explain it to you? Like, I don't think I do, Pastor Brian. I don't know. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I've, I've seen it. I can tell you exactly how it rolls. Here's how it rolls. You ready? You excited to hear this? Some of you are like, you're kind of nervous. You're like, what is he going to tell us? No, let me tell you exactly how it's going to roll. I, I've seen it. That God sustains me perfectly, perfectly. I'm surrounded with people that I love and, and get to work with people that I love and get to love God and love life. And he sustains me perfectly right up to my last breath. He keeps his arm on me. And, and at that last moment, he just slaps me on the back just hard enough to knock my spirit out of my body and I just keep walking with him. Just keep walking. And after a while, I turn back, I realize I left my body back there someplace. Oh, but, I'm, but I'm still walking with God just the same. I've left the curse behind. I've left the shadow world behind. But God's sustainment is exactly the same. That, that is the truth, by the way. God does not grow more powerful on this side or the other. It's us. It's, it's us that doesn't see here. It's us that is more impressed with the problems than we are impressed with God. And just an awareness of the rock you're standing on fundamentally stops you from paddling this way and enables you to start paddling 
the other way. What is number four? Write this down. Contentment produces generosity. Contentment's offspring. Contentment, security, and generosity are all, they're all really one ball. Genuine contentment, a revelation of this rock that I'm standing on that, that, that is impossible for me not to be fully resourced to do everything God's called me to do. Whatever God's called me to do that is not within the realm of possibility that I will not be resourced to do it. I'm going to be sustained perfectly. Everything he calls me to do, I'm going to get it done because it's him, all right? And it produces. Now, when you think generosity, you think, oh, man, yeah, that's, 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 that's just throwing out a big check. By the way, back to my story. Remember the story I began the story with that week with a missionary? And I ended the story by talking about that check that we wrote. And, and here's the point. The point of that story was that I've discovered that contentment has a cost and it's $500. That, that's, that was my point. Do you think that was my point? No, no, that wasn't my point. But what was the point? It, it does. I wouldn't say contentment has a cost because it is perfectly free. God initiates it. God plants it in your soul. So it doesn't have a cost, but it does have an effect. And that effect, 100 times out of 100, is liberality. It's, it's generosity. It, it's the fundamentally paddling a different way. I, I can be free. Why, why? Why do I want to be debt-free? So I can have a bigger pile? No, 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 because I want my fundamentally, my, my flow to be completely different, completely different than the world around me. I want my hands. You understand when I'm doing this, I'm, I'm doing the opposite of dog paddling, of sustaining myself. I'm, I'm giving. I, I'm serving because I know I'm sustained perfectly right up to my last breath. I can't be afraid. I just can't be afraid because the same reason I can't be afraid in heaven, I, I can't be afraid here because I'm being sustained by a mighty God who does not have the T-Rex complex and his hand is mighty in my life right now. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Is that not exciting? Try to control yourself. I know it's challenging. It is. But that's the life we get to live. That's, that's what he invites us into. It's what he invites us into. No, it's up to us. It's up to us. Now, you may ask, well, Pastor Brian, if it's that simple, good gracious. I mean, if, if contentment is just something that Christ plants in your heart, I mean, I've said yes to Jesus, so I've got it. I mean, if it's that simple, Pastor Brian... How come I don't always experience that? Well, um, do you remember verse 12? Look, at, look back at verse 12 in, in your, your notes here, this contentment scripture. Hold tightly to the eternal life. When he says hold tightly to eternal life, he's not suggesting that you're going to lose. If you don't hang on tightly, you're going to lose your salvation. Oh, there it went. I was saved, now I lost it. No, no, that's not at all what he's suggesting. What he's suggesting is if you don't hold tightly to this revelation of what God is doing and and God's activity in your life and the fact that eternity is already invaded and Jesus Christ is already the Lord of everything in your life and he's taking care, if you don't hold tightly to that, what you'll lose is your awareness of God's activity. You can lose that just like that. You can lose it and be right back where everybody else is just dog paddling, just me. Me and me. And now I got the kids hanging on me. Now, now I got my husband hanging on me. <laughs> no. Hold tightly to the eternal life. Right? But why, why, why can it be challenging? Gosh, Pastor Brian, it's, it's challenging to kind of maintain that revelation of, of contentment that Christ brings. And if Christ brings it, why is it so challenging? Well, contentment does have an enemy, and it's called greed. Everybody say greed. Now, we've already talked about those greedy people. They're, none of them are here. 
They're all in their basement counting their gold right now, right? Right? We know that. Yeah, no. Greed, none of us ever struggle with greed, right? <laughs> you are smart enough not to answer that one. If you believe the word of God, you believe and you understand that you, just like me, just like all of us, that is part of the human condition. The best picture of greed is just that dog paddle. It's, it's not, and it's not evil people who dog paddle. It's just humans. It's just, it's just the sustainment to just to keep myself up. We live in a mortal world, man. I just got to, I got to keep it coming in, Brother Brian. That's just normal. It is. Greed is actually normal. Greed is something every one of us in this room have experienced. And if you're biblically literate, and you just, let me just put it this way. If you're intelligent, you just recognize it in yourself. You don't deny it. Oh, not me. Ain't got no greed. Well, no, you're ignorant. That's what you are. <laughs> Did I say that right out, in, right out loud? No, 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 you're, you're human, okay? Join, join us here on planet Earth, all right? Okay, so yeah. And, and that greed, because it's so normal, we don't recognize how dangerous it is. We don't recognize what an enemy to true contentment it is because it's so normal, because your parents were born with it, you grew up, in a home of it. We all did, you know, because it's been, it's in your flesh your whole life. It's so normal. We don't recognize it. But what you will recognize is those days, weeks, and months that you're holding on to that eternal life and you're not letting it go. You'll recognize that it has lost its teeth. That right here on planet Earth, that greed has lost its teeth. And you'll recognize, and that what I was, that's what I was describing as I'm driving home buying a knickknack for my wife. It's not that, that everything is so wildly different. It's all of a sudden, though, the flow has gone different, and you just, you've lost that fear of hanging on, and all of a sudden, you're just giving. It starts with your own, your own attention. You're giving your attention. You're, you're able to lift your eyes up off of your own world a little bit, and you're, you're able to start recognizing, oh, my kids are awesome. Are these, are these the same kids that have been here all this time? These are my kids? Well, they're awesome. You start recognizing shocker of shockers, ladies, that your husband is cool. I lost a couple of you there. And you're like, no, don't take this too far, preacher. <laughs> no, he is. He is. You, start, you just start recognizing what is, but you're looking through a different pair of glasses and it, and it enables you to start changing what you do. See, and here's the, here's the real, I don't want to say the trick, but the real thing of it. Contentment, and I've already said this, contentment isn't that you don't have a vision for the future. Contentment is not what the world says, that it's just being okay with nothing. Contentment it has a vision of the future, but it's just that you're so radically thrilled with what is on your way to there, on your way to there, that you're, so happy with the people you're with. You're, you're, you're thrilled with where God has you, that you're, you're a blessing where you are. And I've, man, man, I've learned this the hard way. You're never going to get to there. You're never going to get to that glorious vision of the future without being content with what is because it's, it's the way that you treat the people and it's what you see here and now that, starts, that gets you investing in what is that ultimately creates that future. You don't even know you're building it, but you see it. And you're, you're walking towards it. By the way, have I given you, did we do number one? Did I give you the fill in the blanks for number one? Yes? yes? Okay. After you do this a few times, you forget. <laughs> and I don't always go in order, so. 
Contentment's enemy is greed. It's something that we all experience. So here's the human definition of greed. Write this down under number three. The human definition is, we, we think this is what greedy people think. Greedy people think this way. They say, they're saying in their mind, I'm all set. I just want more. That's the way greedy people think. And, and that's not me, you see, because I'm not all set. And since I'm not all set, I could never be greedy. Because actually, as you see, Pastor Ryan, I, I do need more, actually. And since I need more, I, I'm not greedy. It's those, it's those people who are all set. Is that the truth? Can, we could go through a hundred studies. This has been studied so many different ways and proven a thousand different ways, just in secular studies. What's been proven a thousand times is nobody feels that way. Nobody. Nobody feels that, that all set. I'm all set. I couldn't even imagine, I couldn't even imagine a fear entering my fortress because I'm all set. I have a fortress impregnable by fears. I, I am completely secure, but I want yours too. Nobody feels that way. Now, there's people with big piles, but see, all set is actually a spiritual condition. It's, you can't buy it. And no matter how big the pile is, you, nobody feels that. Nobody feels that all set. We think they do, but they don't. And we think that's other people that are plagued with it when it's us. It's the very, it's the very fact that we don't have that all set feeling. By the way, there is, I, I said, I, I lied a minute ago. I said, there's nobody who feels all set when actually there is one category of people who feel all set. Anybody know what that category is? <clears throat> Anybody know? Who, who are those people who feel all set? Content people. How'd you guys guess that? Which only gets planted by Christ. When eternity enters, it's the same thing you're going to feel in eternity. It's that, oh, this is awesome. Oh, God's at work. Oh, I get to go to life church? That place is awesome. What actually is greed? Here's a better definition of greed. Now, I just, quite honestly, let me be honest with you. I made these up. This is, this is my definition. You may disagree, but you've been wrong before. All right. <clears throat> <laughs> that was supposed to be funny, okay? All right. I think this is a better definition of greed. Greed are the endless actions prompted by the anxiety that arises outside of contentment. It's the endless, it's the million varieties of dog paddling. It's the, it's the million different actions produced by the fact that anxiety can't be shut up. The only, the only thing that shuts anxiety's mouth is contentment, which is in Christ. So outside of contentment, rich or poor, it's, it's the million varieties of the dog paddle. The million varieties of me, me, me. I got I, I to I take care of it. I got to take care of myself. As soon, as soon as I get this taken care of, I'll help. I'll help. I'll, I'll help, preacher. I'm going to be there. As soon as, my, as, soon as this happens, I'll, I'm going to be there. No, you won't. Because that's not the way it works. You know what you're going to do when your ship comes in? You're going to do what you're doing right now. That, that's how it rolls. You have to, we have to learn right now. Contentment starts right now. I've already given you number four, right? Contentment produces generosity. They, they're so tightly connected. That happens right now. No matter where you are, no matter what you have, contentment starts with every aspect of your life. It's, it's your attitude towards everything because Jesus Christ, you are standing on a rock. Everybody say this, say this to me. Say, I'm secure. One more time. Say, I'm secure. I can help. That's contentment. 
It's not just about feeling better. It's about a fundamentally different lifestyle. I'm secure. I can help. I know I'm ultimately going, I know he's going to take me under one day, so I'm not afraid of going under. I get it. I get it. I'm secure. I can help. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute? I just want to pray with you and for you because contentment is right here. It's right here. And you could cross a line that makes an amazing difference in your life today. I want to talk to two categories of people first and quickly. You're here and you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I describe contentment, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there, but you're one of those people. When Paul says, hold tightly to eternal life, you're one of the many who'd say, you know what? I think I let it go. I know it. I remember it. I've been there, but I've let that go. And I think I'm doing the dog paddle, Pastor Brian. Friends, just change starts with humility. It just starts with honoring, acknowledging the truth before God. If that's you, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you raise your hand right there where you're seated? I think that's me. I think that's happening in my life. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for every hand that is lifted by your grace, open our eyes to your sovereign hand in our world, in our life. Help us to see who you are and what you're doing. And Lord God, help us to live out of it, just to live, to love the life you've given us and to be the giver. Help us to see it and to live it. We pray that in Jesus' name. Now, one final thing. I want to talk to people. You're here and you don't really know what I'm describing because you've yet to have that first encounter with Christ where, he, where you fully surrender to him. You give your all and he unpacks his bags. He brings eternity into your life and you just get that revelation. Jesus Christ has paid my penalty and I am free. I get it all. I get Christ and his eternal salvation now. Friends, if you, if you have crossed that line, you would know it. You would remember because he brings an awesome load of salvation. He brings eternity into your life. If you've never said that and crossed that line, now nobody's looking around, but today's your day. God is here so powerfully. Never in a day in eternity will God be more powerful than he is right now, with you, right now. Your moment is right now. Eternity is hanging in front of your nose right now. Don't push it away. Don't say, "Ah, I'll, I'll take care of that later. No, you won't. If he's dealing with you right now, you say yes right now. And he's asking for everything. He's asking for your whole life. If that's you, again, nobody's looking around, but we'll just, just acknowledge that before God. Say, God, that's me. I want to, you've given me your everything. I want to give you my everything. If that's you, don't be afraid. Raise your hand up. Nobody's looking around. God, I want to give you my everything. God, I trust you. Thank you. Praise God for these hands that are lifted. Would you, let's all just pray this prayer. So, along with these that have just raised their hand. Will you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your all to me. Now I give my all to you. Lord, I give you my everything. I give you my life. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.